Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude, a podcast presented by Purple Row, the Rockies affiliate of SB Nation. I am your host, Skylar Timmons, once again, joined by my fellow cohort, cohorts and potential Oscar nominees, Evan Lang. How dare you call me a cohort? How dare you? <laughs> and Mac Wilcox. <laughs> Oh, man, you caught me mid-yawn. That's so embarrassing. Hello, I'm here. I'm ready to go, man. Let's do this thing. How you guys doing? Uh, good, man. I'm obviously uh, a little tired today, but uh, but in general, I'm, I'm chilling, man. We out here. How y'all doing? Man, I Dang feel you. Yeah. I've done, like, nothing today but sit around and watch TV. <laughs> and the Rockies game is on Ooh. so late tonight. Yeah, so as of recording, we're on April Fool's Day here. As a yeah, recording, we so the worst day for baseball content creators. Seriously, exactly. Any type of announcement or content creator. Known Did to you guys man. think that the Kimbrel trade this morning was fake? Uh, yeah, and the I um, I thought it was really funny when Jeff Passan had to go. I, I had to make very clear that it was not an April Fool's joke when discussing the um, that umpires were going to be mic'd up for reviews. Literally. <laughs> We got like two significant porch uh, pieces of news today. We had to be very clear that they were real. I hate this day. <laughs> yes, it, you got to take everything with a grain of salt. And then it's funny when totally. people have to come out and say, no, this is legit. Like this is actually totally. happening. No joke. So fun stuff. But yeah, we are recording it on April Fool's Day. So keep that in mind as we talk about you know, a lot of, we're going to be talking a lot of stats and a lot of guys today. So keep that in mind. I uh, won't be up to date as you hear this episode, but we'll be in the same ballpark, so it all still applies. Uh, but we got a lot to talk about today. 
opening day is right around the corner. You guys excited? Oh, oh man. man, a week from today. I know Evan's counting down the literal moments. I'm so, so freaking excited. Like, uh, people around me have even been like, man, Evan, you seem like in, in such a better mood recently. And it's like, yeah, because it's almost baseball season. <laughs> it's like a week from today. It man. is seriously like you flip a switch for me and give mm-hmm. me baseball and everything is better. Mm-hmm. Have, I've been, yeah, man, we've been waiting for so long. Yeah, it feels like it forever where yeah. we had a whole winter where like nothing, nothing, and then just someone opened up the floodgates and baseball, bleh. That's probably part of it, too, because we didn't have, like, the winter meetings to keep us occupied. Spring training took longer to get going. There was no, you know, hot stove, really, for, for a long time. Like, that's, I think, why we're so starved of it, you know what I mean? And what little yeah. news we got was bad news. Yeah, yeah, literally. Literally. We're just being force-fed a slow drip of just terrible news mm-hmm. and, like, minor league signings of guys and then... Floodgates opened. You do a trade. You sign a big free agent and all this yeah. other stuff. So they made up for that lost time. Yeah, and it's like now at the very least there's still bad news, but there's enough good news and baseball stuff to counterbalance it. It evens it out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it's exciting. Open day's right around the corner again. We'll pump this out again. Purple Row is having an an opening day breakfast over at the Wanku Brewing uh, Company. Come. Have some breakfast burritos. Our editor-in-chief, Sam Bradfield, will be hosting a media panel. Features the likes of homies like Daniel Allentuck, uh, Jack Corrigan, Patrick Saunders. Uh, I always forget his name. Manny. Manny Rondalo is going to be there, yeah. It'll be tight, man. Make sure you guys come on by. It'll be a really good chance to kind of kick it, have some good food, you know, meet some cool people, and uh, potentially win an uh, autographed Charlie Blackman baseball. There you go. Yeah, we All put the out the reason. announcement today, and you can find that on the Purple Row Twitter account. That with Which is also the not purchase a joke, of your ticket for the Purple Row opening day breakfast, you are entered for a giveaway to win a Charlie Blackman autographed baseball. And uh, all the information for the opening day breakfast is on our website, purplerow.com. It's been sticking to the page for a little bit. We would love to see you there. Absolutely. Yeah, and there'll be a lot of Purple Row folks there. Uh, including Evan and Mac. I will not be there, yes, so none of you will get to You'll see my spirit. face just yet. <laughs> In time. <laughs> the Rockies community couldn't handle seeing my face, even though my <laughs> profile picture on Twitter is my face. It's just you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so keep that in mind. But guys, how about we talk about some Rockies baseball now? Let's do oh, it. Can we please? Let's do it. So first and foremost, I wanted to ask, is spring training's kind of winding down. Uh, who's been your spring training MVP, your most standout player uh, this this spring in our very short spring training? I'm really interested to see if we're all going to have the same guy. Yeah, so I, I feel like there is a... A pretty definite answer here. So, all right, Evan, on three. One, two, three. Ezekiel, Ezekiel Tovar. Bill Schmidt. Bang. There it is. <laughs> Bill Schmidt. I mean... I've been happy with Bill Schmidt, but as far as on-the-field performance, yeah, man, Ezekiel Tovar has been incredible. Like, he has been phenomenal for the Rockies so far. You know, he's a literal, like, kid. He's one of the prospects that I think a lot of us, uh, and even people who don't necessarily follow the minor leagues as much as, like, you brothers do, like, he's one of those names you just kind of see all over these different scouting reports, and I think this is the first chance that a lot of people have gotten to see him really play especially against, you know, major league talent. And, man, he looks good. 
tore it up in spring training. Obviously, we always knew the glove was there, but the bat looks like it's there too. And, uh, you know, not trying whatever, because we haven't even seen him, you know, play with the Rockies really outside spring training yet. But Jose Iglesias better be cool, man, because Ezekiel Tovar, it looks like he's on the brink of taking over that starting shortstop role for the future for the Rockies. Yeah, I'm watching him in spring training, and you got this kid from Venezuela whose bat is really, really popping, wearing the number 14, and I'm getting Andres Galarraga vibes. Yeah, Might we totally. have found our Elgato Gran 2.0? <laughs> well, it's nice because in the wake of Trevor's story, you know, it's kind of up in the air of who's going to who's going to be the next shortstop, who's on the, you know, knocking on the door, and it seems like Tovar had a really good spring and he's going to have to hopefully carry that into the regular season uh, right now down in AA Hartford. Looks like he's going to start the season roughly around there. Uh Oh, he's going to have to continue that success, and if he can do that and prove it, who knows? Maybe he could even get a call up to the Rockies at some point this season. Mm-hmm. Oh, even yeah, in it's, the later it's half. really crazy because this guy hasn't played above, you know, he played 32 games with high A Spokane last year. And, you know, he did solid there, not as good as he did when he played the majority of the season in low A Fresno. And, um, you know, he played in the Arizona Fall League, and he did not so great, especially hitting-wise. And then he comes into spring training and slashes 550-550-1.1 with three home runs, seven RBIs, 11 total hits, two doubles. And he's only struck out once in 20 at-bats. Like, that is an insane spring. And it's given me, honestly, for development-wise, it's given me Troy Tulowitzki vibes that he starts the season and plays most of the season in Double A Hartford and has the potential of never even sniffing Triple A. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be exciting. And so, I don't know, you said Mac that could make you know, Jose Iglesias kind of be looking over his shoulder a little bit, mm-hmm. like, oh man, like I better perform this season, otherwise I might find myself out of a job at some point this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a one-year deal. Does Iglesias, man, like, it's not, I mean, no hate, obviously, but it's not like he's locked in for the Rockies long-term. Like, this kid Tovar, man, he is knocking on the door. Just like Evan said, there's no guarantee he's even going to have to spend time at AAA if he keeps swinging the bat like this. And everybody's talking about right now the Mariners prospect, Julio Rodriguez, who, don't get me wrong, Julio is awesome, but nobody's talking yeah. about Ezekiel Tovar, who is having just as good, if not a better spring and has, you know, incredible potential, but he's not really, he's not a top 100 prospect in the MLB. No, he's not. The Rockies only have one top 100 prospect and Ezekiel Tovar is not even close to that. Like how crazy is that? It's pretty interesting, but it's always nice to have guys flying under the radar. Maybe it takes a little bit of pressure right. off of them and helps them That's develop. Right. So who knows? It'll be good to see Tovar. Great on him. Unfortunately, he was sent to the minor league camp. Again, he'll probably start down in AA Hartford, uh, which is really the refiner's fire in the Rockies minor league system. But bright future, bright future for this kid. If you want to hear more about Ezekiel Tovar and all the other uh, minor leaguers, be sure to check out our buddies over at the Pebble Report podcast. Uh, Their schedule is not as consistent as ours, so always be on the lookout on Purple Row. Uh, They always... Kenneth and Justin, always great insights, especially with the minor league guys. 
They know what's up. They're in tune with everything. Absolutely. But as for us, we're always in tune with the Major League roster. And something we wanted to do is just kind of talk about the opening day roster, or at least how it's projected, and the guys that we can probably presume or assume are going to be on there on the roster and just kind of go position by position and talk about these guys and how they've been doing this spring. And maybe we start, let's start behind the dish with what I believe is probably our opening day number one starter, Elias Diaz, the catcher, uh, who recently signed that three-year extension in the offseason before the lockout. He's going to be sticking around. Looks like he's going to be our primary backstop for a couple more years before some of our prospects are ready. Uh, what's your guys' take on Elias Diaz and how he's been doing? Go ahead, Evan. Uh, you, t- you have a lot of really good insight in the catching situation. So Diaz has not had that good a spring at the plate. And, you know, that, that does make me worry a little bit just because of his his very slow start offensively, that huge slump he had in April and May of last season that was was just absolutely brutal. But then, you know, June came along and he popped and was a totally different player. And at the same time, he's only played in, you know, seven games uh, with 17 at-bats. And he's only struck out three times. He's making contact. And we've seen him make solid hard contact. He's just not getting on base at the same clip or not hitting, uh, you know, home runs and extra base hits like he was towards the end of the season last year. But at the same time, I'm actually not that worried about it because tons of veterans don't necessarily have the best spring because, you know, with their roster spot secure, they don't really need to go all out. It really is just warm-ups and getting ready for the season. Charlie Blackman notoriously does not have particularly good spring trainings. But then, you know, we we come around to the regular season and he's just fine. So I'm not going to be worried until there's actually something to worry about for Diaz. His uh, defense has still been excellent. We've seen his pop time and ability to throw runners out continue to be on display. That was a huge, huge thing for Elise Diaz last season was... His, uh, his defense behind the plate and throwing out stealing runners where he had the uh, second best percentage of caught stealing in the league behind Sal Perez of the Royals. Um, Diaz is coming into this year on the back of a three-year extension that he earned from his play at the end of last season. And, you know, he's talked about it as well that he wants to keep improving and the extension just gives him more motivation to continue to improve. And I'm excited to have him here. I was really, really frustrated with him at the beginning of last year and was like, oh, man, I can't believe this guy is getting the majority of, of the starts. And But then end of the season, I, you know, you love the guy because it's amazing what an offensive turnaround will do in combination with really strong defense. So I think Elias Diaz, I'm ready for him to rock and roll as the opening day starter at catcher. He hopefully has another really good season. Yeah. Good breakdown. I don't really have a whole lot else to add to that, honestly. I mean, he was really a revelation for the Rockies last season. He really kind of popped off in a way that I don't think any of us were expecting. Um, Hopefully he is able to add on to his success uh, from last season. I was really impressed specifically with how he handled the pitching staff in general, especially the starters. So hopefully he can kind of keep that momentum going. More than likely, you're going to see Dom Nunez back him up. Nunez struggled very mightily last season, as we all know, really uh, struggled getting the ball 
um, you know, into fair territory and, uh, and not striking out so much. So hopefully he can kind of figure it out, get some at-bats. But yeah, for right now, it looks like uh, it's Diaz's spot to lose, and I'm cool with that. And, and I like how you mentioned Dom Nunez because, well, at least Diaz, you're going to want him in there as much as you can, as much as his body will allow him to. And hopefully you can keep him healthy and that he won't – nothing freak accidents happen that we lose him for the season because that depth is going to be really tested because, you know, past our major league guys on the roster, they basically just have a lot of minor league rookies or guys that didn't have a big time or have mm-hmm. a lot of time at the major league level. Uh, but Dom Nunez, like you said, he's really struggled so far in the spring – He's had 16 at-bats as of April 1st, seven strikeouts, and no walks. So that's something that might be a cause for concern where, you know, is at least Diaz gets a day off or he's doing something else. Can you trust having – can you really afford having Dom Nunez back there as often mm-hmm. as you want? And we saw him show off that power a bit last season, but you know, it's still worrisome that – you have another Tony Walters behind the dish when at least Diaz isn't there. You know, mm-hmm. Nunez is fine defensively, but it's that missing a bat. If something happens to Diaz, that can be kind of concerning. Yeah, and, and for Nunez, he does have strong power, especially for a, a converted middle infielder. He, you know, he does run in that Tony Walters mold of originally being a middle infielder converted to a catcher, but he's got solid power and when he wasn't striking out last year he was you know hitting home runs hitting doubles he had he has potential in his bat but he strikes out so much and you know if he's not hitting a home run he's usually flying out because he had he had 43 plate appearances um sorry that's the that's the wrong line he had 43 total hits in 2021 and something like 25 of them were extra base hits. 12 home runs, 3 triples, and 10 home runs. And that's that's pretty good. But his on-base percentage was below 3. And his batting average was below 2. And he, you know, he struck out 91 times in 228 at-bats. That's a lot. That's a lot more than you want you know, someone who you're relying on offensively. And that's especially why Elias Diaz has been so important because um, he really has provided the offense behind the plate that the Rockies have been sorely lacking for quite some time now. Mm. Yeah, so I think if something happens to them or or Nunez starts struggling way too much, we might see guys like Carlos Perez, who was signed, uh, was a former catcher with the Angels, Some of those guys, or maybe we finally see some of these rookie prospects, Brian Servin or maybe even Willie McIver, somebody get some action. Specifically as that role as a backup catcher, because I think if something happens to Diaz and Nunez is still healthy, Nunez would just slot in as a typical everyday starter, Mm -hmm. so to speak. But I think catching depth, we don't talk about it as much with the Rockies, but it's still something that – to keep an eye on because they don't have really anybody on that 40 man roster aside from those two guys. So, and Skyler, I want you to knock on wood there because Elias Diaz last year, one of his other major features besides his bat, just turning red hot in his great defense was his 
durability and reliability. He took some hard pops and just kept on going the entire season mm. last year. We have not had a season where we made it through with just two catchers in a long, long time. I think it was like the 98 season with Kurt Manwaring and Jeff Reed where was the last season where we only used two catchers the entire season. And that durability, I think, is is another really important aspect of Diaz's game. Yeah, and you worry because he dealt with concussions while in Pittsburgh, and that's what kind of derailed his career a little bit. And then coming over to Colorado, he's been, you know, nice and durable, even when he's taking groin shots off of balls off the ground. He's, dude's a wall. Yeah. But so far catching is, is – is, reliable and it's nice to not worry as much about the catching position as we have in years past uh same as our next position the crone zone first base where cj crone is going to be taking over those duties once again as he begins his the first year of a two-year extension he signed during the offseason uh crone has been really hot this spring mm. uh and yeah, uh, sorry not to cut, not to cut you off, Skyler, but CJ Crone's really impressed me this spring. I also want to just very quick side note. Sorry, I'm like sniffly today. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm fighting some allergies or something. But uh, yeah, CJ Crone has looked fantastic selling in at first base right now. I mean, I know we're talking a lot about uh, you know who is likely to hold down each position as spring training ends and as the regular season begins, but there might not be a position that's more locked in than first base right now. C.J. Crone has looked really, really strong at the defensive end. He's always been a pretty solid defensive first baseman, but his bat right now is really starting to pop off and look good this spring. Uh, obviously, we might get some at-bats at first this season from the likes of Ryan McMahon, and maybe, yeah, no, we could see uh, Colton Welker take a couple uh, games at first base, but right now, Chris, C.J. Crone is looking fantastic in his spot as first baseman. Yeah, the nice big crone zone. Uh, crone zone. In eight games so far, he's got eight hits. He scored four runs. He had that game where he hit three doubles. Uh, he's had a home run. He's driven in five runs, five strikeouts, two walks. Uh, we know as the season progresses, he'll probably draw even more walks. He led the team yeah. or was among the league team leaders last year. So far this spring, 421 average, 500 on base, 737 slugging. Uh Evan, what are you seeing from Crone that's got you excited for this next season? What I'm seeing for Crone is more of the same from last year, which is exactly yep. what this team continues to need because we had that, you know, the confusion and, and disarray at first base you know, since Todd Helton retired, basically. And now we've got a dude who we know can hold down that position until really whenever, until Michael Togley is ready, until something else happens. But CJ can also, you know, if he needs um, – if he needs a break from his feet, can be the DH with his with his bat skills. But right now, it's pretty much set in stone that he's our opening day first baseman, and I'm all for it. I'm I really like CJ. Yeah, it, it, I love Crone. I think aside from Charlie Blackman, Crone might be my favorite Rocky uh, positionally at the moment because just he's so reliable. After last season, it's just nice to have a, a big power-hitting first baseman, spectacular glove, and, you know, just lives in the crone zone. So it's yes. fun stuff. <laughs> you never get tired of saying no, that. No, I don't. Crone saw in the crone <laughs> zone. 
Crone saw is ready. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think what's nice too that we can touch on here is you know, we mentioned a couple guys who can play first base, who definitely deserves a spot of getting some more action, whether at first base in the DH role and outfield, is one of our new fan favorites, Connor Joe, who has also had a phenomenal spring. And Evan, I know you just wrote about uh, Connor Joe in your rock pile uh, from last Thursday. What is it about what Joe's doing that that's really so impressive right now? What Joe is showing us is more of the same, same as CJ Crone, of what we got from him last year. And unfortunately, his season got cut short in September with that hamstring injury. But he's showing us that you know he's back up to full and ready to go. Connor Joe has incredible plate vision and plate discipline. He controls the strike zone really, really well, which is something that you absolutely need on this team that consistently strikes out a lot. And he's having a really strong spring where he struck out three times and walked three times. He's got that perfect 50-50 for strikeouts to walks, but he's also getting the bat to the ball. He has uh, currently a 440 batting average with 11 hits, including two doubles and a home run with four RBIs. He's got on base percentage of 500 and he had, uh, he led the team last season in on base percentage at 379. So that's a really important thing for Connor Joe is that he's not going to strike out a lot and he can get on base, especially with the doubles. So he's got the two doubles last year. It felt like every time Connor Joe was at bat, it seemed like he ended up on second base. And that's sort of been more of the same this spring. Um, but he's got decent enough pop in his bat where he's slugging 640 right now. And then you add on to that his positional versatility where he figures to be, if he's not in the lineup, our backup first baseman behind C.J. Crone, his main position. But he's also picked up left field really, really well uh, as a more everyday position. He had played left field a little bit previous to 2021, but he, he really picked it up and ran with it. Uh, to the point where we've played him a couple times in right field this spring as well. And that just makes him even more versatile and it's a place to slot in. Joe, I think, and I wrote about this on my rock pile for Thursday, is one of our bench guys who deserves more than anybody else a crack at the everyday starting lineup. Regardless of what position you put him in, and you know, for me, and we'll probably talk about this later, I think he's going to end up as the DH because he's got that bat that you just don't want to leave out of the lineup. Connor Joe is the guy who is most deserving, I think. He's definitely put in the work. He's you know too old and he's too good to be shuffling back and forth between the minors and the big leagues or just be a bench player. And I think it's time we let him see what he can do as a regular starter. Yeah, what are your thoughts on Joe here? Uh, Mac, if you want to add on to this. No, I think Evan nailed it, man. Especially, like you mentioned, man, with the bringing on of the DH to the National League, that seems like the perfect spot for Connor Joe. You know, maybe if he gets hot and CJ starts to wane a bit, maybe play him at first base, maybe give him some shots in the outfield to play some, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Some splits between lefties and righties, uh, if I can remember how the English language works. But yeah, Connor Joe looks great right now. I really, really love to see. And and Evan nailed it when he said that this is just what we saw last season, right? Connor Joe obviously injured last season, didn't really finish the last couple months of the season. But the time we got before that, 
was really impressive from a guy that was not heralded as that, let's just be honest, right? No hate to the guy. But it wasn't like he was carrying the same sort of name value that a Zach Veen or a Benny Montgomery does, right? Connor Joe, we knew who he was, but it's not like he had that kind of immediate uh, impact by a lot of scouts. And he just showed up ready to play, and he looked great. I'm really happy to see that he has carried that over into this season following the lockout. Really excited to see him more than likely making the big league roster on opening day, probably as the starting DH. And I'm also very excited to see what he's going to bring to the table this season. Yeah, I think we're all big fans of our good buddy Joe. 100%. Always love the Joe, Joe, Joe chants. Joe. 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 (laughs) (laughs) But moving along the rest of the diamond uh, over at second base, hopefully looking forward to a full, healthy season for Brendan Rodgers, who's having a pretty okay spring, Uh, nothing too alarming. Uh, I think the big thing is he's just trying to stay healthy. He's been dealing with a little bit of back issues, just tight back and everything. But what are your guys' takes real quick here on Brendan Rodgers? Uh, anything you're excited about, worried about with him? A little worried about the injuries a bit. Not worried, I think, but just a bit uh, a bit aware of him, right? Just want to keep them in the back of your head. He has dealt with injuries throughout his uh, young career. When he's healthy, we see what he can do, right? Last season was a great coming out party for him. Had a very strong season officially with the Rockies. Obviously, originally profiled as sort of the shortstop of the future, but second base seems to work for him. He seems comfortable there, and I think it's uh, a good spot for him, especially right now when the Rockies don't have a for sure second baseman other than maybe Ryan McMahon could could be there. But in general, I think it's a good spot for um, – or what I say, Ryan McMahon? Yeah, I, I think um, that uh, he is a guy that could really – make an impact for them this season i, I want to see him towards the top of the lineup personally you guys might disagree but that's just me i want to see him maybe as a two-hole hitter i know there's a very good argument to be made for bryant kind of hold it down up there but i think that uh he's ready to take those next steps and really be a huge part of this rockies lineup how about you evan yeah for rogers the key is really got to be staying healthy because we we're already at a point where he's seen less action than some of the other starters during the spring because he was held out due to injury concerns with that back tightness. And it needs to be for him, it needs to be a healthy season for it to be a successful season. Absolutely. Like we saw last year where, you know, after that, the injuries really had him shut down for that first portion of the season when he came back and sort of started coming into his own. And we need that to stay. And he's had he's had a solid spring for the, you know, 16 at-bats that he's had. Uh, slashing 250, 333, 536 with uh, a home run and two doubles, four RBIs, three strikeouts, one ball. That's all totally, totally fine, especially for spring and the guy who we're, we're hoping is trying to avoid some of the wear and tear to not get hurt. Because that, again and again, that's going to be the key issue because I I can't help but worry. I love Randy Rogers, but I can't help but have David Dahl flashbacks of a guy with that mm. incredible potential who injuries just kept it from ever really finally clicking. Yeah, it's definitely something to, to always worry about because we especially need him because, one, he's a power threat you know, second baseman, which is nice, and he was our best hitter on the road last season. And heaven knows we need that <laughs> as yes. a team. Uh, where he hit the majority of his home runs last year on the road. So, you know, hopefully a healthy Brendan Rodgers will 
happen this year because we need him because there's not a many options. Like we mentioned, Ryan McMahon could play over there. I'm sure Connor Joe could pick it up pretty quickly. Uh, uh, Garrett Hampson seems like the main super utility guy that's going to fill in all over the diamond and everything at this point, which is super important because we need a guy that can fill in multiple spots. But maybe something happens to Roger. If he does get injured, uh, you could slot Jose Iglesias over at second, put in maybe somebody else to play short that may be a little better defensively there uh, because we need it. Uh, But Mm. speaking of Ryan McMahon, playing at third base, are now third baseman for potentially the next six years, uh, barring any other differences. Uh, Ryan McMahon seems to have just picked up where he left off here in this spring in nine games. He's got six hits, three runs scored, a pair of doubles, doesn't have any home runs. He's driven in a pair, uh, two walks, one strike, and he's got a 261 average in a 308 on base percentage and a 348 slugging. So Ryan McMahon seems like he's he's doing good all right. <laughs> yeah, you know, I know some people are pretty turned around by the Ryan McMahon contract. They said it's too long for a player that's been kind of fringe to this point. And I get that line of thinking, but I also think that Ryan McMahon – we have not seen the best of him yet, right? I think we can all agree that we have not seen what we believe him to be fully capable of. And the start of last season, we mentioned this a, a podcast or two ago, the start of last season was the Rymac that I think we've all been waiting for. You know, power, obviously the glove was fantastic. He was hitting for average, you know, he was really doing it all. And he was the Rockies' first half MVP. It just really tapered off for him in the second half. And I think finding that consistency is going to be a huge deal for the Rockies and, of course, for Ryan McMahon as well. The six-year deal, obviously the team and the organization has a lot of faith in him to be that guy going forward. And if the key for Brendan Rodgers is to stay healthy, the key for Ryan McMahon is to just stay consistent and do what got you a near all-star placement in the first half of last season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Evan, what do you have to add on to this? So Ryan had a little bit of a slow start to the spring, but I'm not worried. Uh, he's got probably some of the most at bats of the actual starters so far. And it took him a little bit for that bat to start clicking, but think about how long, you know, the off season was with the lockout and stuff. And since then he's, he's doing just fine. I'm, I'm not worried about him. Glove looks fine. Bat looks fine. And it really is like Max said, the thing that he's got to carry into the season is consistency. If he can be a consistent bat for the Rockies, then he is already worth his extension. Mm. Yeah, definitely. No, and it's nice another spot. Rockies have locked down another position. Ryan McMahon. No, I, I like what Max said. I don't think we've seen Ryan Max full potential just yet. We've seen the power display, but he seems like a guy that could easily put up thirty home runs a year with his power. Yeah. It's just got to be more consistent with that at bat. And cutting down on strikeouts more, upping that average on base percentage, and just keep swatting the ball and be that power lefty that we really haven't had since you know, Charlie Blackman a couple of years ago and like Carlos Gonzalez and whatnot. You know, I think the interesting thing about third base for the Rockies specifically, like it definitely is McMahon's position to lose. My question will be I know they've been very clear about Bryant 
going to be roaming the outfield, spoilers for the next segment, uh, that Bryant's going to be roaming the outfield, it'll just be really interesting to see how much action at third base he gets. And I think I might have said this exact sentence a podcast or two ago, so sorry if I'm repeating myself. But I just, I really am interested to see if Rymac continues to struggle like he did at the end of last season, kind of those last couple months, how willing are the Rockies, you know, with their glut of outfielders, as we talked about, we still have, you know, Daza and Connor Joe and Sam Hilliard and all these other cats that could play the outfield. I wonder how willing the Rockies will be to let Bryant play third base, which is his natural position. That's the position that he's played more than any other and give uh, Rymac a chance to kind of, you know, level set and maybe reset his own mechanics should that you know should that scenario come to pass which it might not yeah so we talked about it a little bit last week in terms of ryan mcmahon but in the second half he really wasn't actually that bad it's just that his power numbers and average sort of tapered off Mm. but overall he was fine he definitely could have been better don't get me wrong on that but he struck out less, and he walked more in the second half. Uh, even though all three of his uh, slash lines took a little bit of a dip, and so I think, yeah, first half Ryan definitely better. But if he can, can maintain consistency even between first half and second half Ryan McMahon from last year, his glove at third base is so good that there isn't really anyone you would put there in his place. Mm. Because yeah. McMahon is a better defender at third base than Chris Bryant. And he's a better That's defender true. at third base than pretty much anybody else on the roster right now. I don't think you want to move him unless you absolutely have to. Sure. That's valid. Yeah. But the only thing I can think of, something happens to Brendan Rodgers. Again, like his arm falls off, then he slots somebody yeah. back over there and shuffles totally. people around. But we've still got so much to talk about, fellas. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll finish out our positional players – touch on the bench a little bit and then breeze through our pitching staff because there's a lot of homies there so don't go anywhere we'll be Mm -hmm. right back hello and welcome back here on affected by altitude we're talking the opening day roster and just kind of going throughout our positions and players of basically everybody's been doing this spring uh real quick Next stop, we're hitting up top of the Keystone, the other part of our double play combo with Brendan Rodgers, new free agent addition, Jose Iglesias. Uh, has not been quite impressive this uh, this spring, even with it being a short and rushed spring. He really hasn't lit anything up, and you guys worried about Jose Iglesias this coming season? I'm going to get my quick piece in because I know Evan's got something to say about this one. I'm not worried necessarily, but I'm wary. And the difference is that I think we talked about it when Jose Iglesias was signed, that we know that this is a one-year deal. It's looking now more than ever like just a stopgap deal between getting getting one last minor league season out of Ezekiel Tovar before he's ready to come on up to the majors, and I get that. But at the same time, Jose Iglesias has had a really rough spring, and he's a vet. You know, He knows what spring training is about. He's not fighting for his roster spot. I get all that. But even so, man, like the glove has been kind of wacky so far. The bat's not exactly looking too strong from him. So I'm not like worried. I'm not, especially because I don't believe Jose Iglesias is going to like make or break the team respectfully, like no hate, obviously, but like, I don't think that Jose Iglesias is going to be the reason the Rockies do or don't make the playoffs. But I do believe that as of right now, his first sort of tryout or his first look 
for Rockies fans has not been that impressive. But I know Evan's got a lot more on this, so I'll let him take it away. I don't know if I'd say a lot more, but he really has not been anything to write home about. In 18 at-bats, he's only struck out once. Great, but he only has one extra base hit, and he's only got four hits total, slashing 222, 263, 278. Uh, He's drawn a walk. The bat is not that big a deal. Like, we want average. Average at best would be successful for him on this lineup at the plate. My issue is going to be that defense where he's already had several miscues. He has an error. He's just not looked that good at shortstop. And I know part of it is because we've been spoiled for so long with, you know, Trevor Story and Troy Tulowitzki playing shortstop and being so good and so flashy. But I really do think that if he wasn't already signed to a big league contract, I'm not sure Jose Iglesias makes the final roster. Like, if he was on a minor league invite, I don't think he would make Mm. the team. No, yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Because he just really hasn't (laughs) impressed anything, but... At the moment, it was just kind of, we don't really have a last-minute option to replace you know, Trevor's story, so we're going to settle for this. And yeah. I think we all have a lot of love for, like, Garrett Hampson, for instance, but, like, you know, I'm not sure if Garrett Hampson's necessarily a guy you want to have as your, like, opening day shortstop, like, you know what I mean? Playing more more innings than Jose Yeah, Blaise because, like, you know what I mean? And I love yeah, I love Garrett Hampson, but like he, he you know, just, just not his role. If Hampson could improve that on base percentage and get on base more, I think that would really open up a lot of avenues for him. But at the moment, saying Hampson just it doesn't have that consistency to get on base as much. Totally. And so I think he bet on the veteran status of Jose Iglesias, hope for a bounce back, and just fill up the position until they either it's not working or they just need to move on to something else. Uh, but, but like you said, agree. he's a veteran. He knows what spring training is about. And we again, we have to take everything with spring training as with a grain of salt, especially this year, with how rushed it is. And so, you know, I I think we'll after a month of play, we'll have a better idea of what we're getting out of Jose Iglesias <laughs> with the Rockies. Yeah, that's probably but true. But still, moving on. Now we're out in the outfield, out of the infield. In the outfield, we have our three homies. Looks like we're going to have Chris Bryant in left. For the moment, it looks like Randall Gritchick's going to be our homie out in center field. And then Charlie Blackman, our aged veteran Todd Helton lookalike person, uh, is going to be in right field. Uh, that seems to be like the majority of the time that's going to be our outfield. What are you guys been impressioned here with our, our outfield guys? Oh, Bryant, Gritchick, Charlie Blackman, has anybody stood out to you? Uh, anything worrying you about some of these guys? Uh, I'll start here with Evan. What's your, been your take here with our outfield guys? I would say nothing really worrying about any of them. You know, Blackman always has a relatively slow spring training. That's just sort of a known factor. So I'm never really worried to see him just be sort of okay during the spring. That's just sort of what he does as he, you know, shifts into gears for the regular season. Uh, well, Andy's learning how to be the leadoff hitter again. And it looks and like he's done pretty solid as the leadoff hitter. You know, he's he's slashing two sixty three, three seventy five, three sixty three. I think it makes sense for him to move back to the leadoff spot, especially if we're not 
necessarily expecting as much power as we normally get from him in previous seasons just because, you know, he is getting up there. But he can still mm. get on base and still has okay speed. The wheels definitely have lost a turn or two. Uh, there's some there's some wear on the tread there. But he can still get it done. And I think, you know, leadoff is where he's going to flourish again. Who I'm really impressed with is Randall Gritchick, who came in after being traded from the Toronto Blue Jays in exchange for Ryan Tapia, and immediately is looking like a difference maker. In, you know, 13 at-bats with the Rockies, he's already got a home run, a double. Uh, he's got three RBIs. He's slashing 385, 467, 692. He's not the best center field defender, but if that's who we roll with, that's who we roll with. I, I'm not sure what other moves we make or who gets put into center, especially if Charlie stays in right field and Bryant, you know, pretty cemented by the sounds of everything as our starting left fielder. But, you know, Gritchick immediately just showing his offensive contribution to the team is, I think, really important for this spring so far. Makes me excited to see what he could do in the regular season when stuff matters. You know, I have some pretty, like... I wouldn't say like, like hot takes. I just think like for me personally, I think the defensive alignment of the outfield, I'd like it to be different, but man, like, and I know we were kind of talking about this a little bit, sort of these like kind of fringe guys, these guys that are looking for a spot on the big league team. Like, you know, in my perfect world, the defensive alignment would be Bryant in left, Sam Hilliard in center, and then Gritchick in right with Blackman DHing. But we kind of mentioned this before we started recording again, Sam Hilliard, man, I, talk about a guy that is almost not about to make the big league roster. And I know we all have a lot of love for this guy. I know we all see the potential and we want him to be what we believe he can be, which is a really, really strong, you know, top of the order outfielder. But boy, oh boy, he has struggled. How many strikeouts you said he had, Evan, this spring? Uh, He's got 12 so far in 25 at-bats. So that's almost 50%. Okay, so basically call it... Yeah, so he's striking out half the time. And what is Sam Hilliard's issue always been at the big league level? The strikeouts. So, boy, I mean, if we're going to start kind of transitioning into, like, talking about these bench guys, I don't know, man. Do you guys feel that he deserves to be that fourth outfielder, or is it now Jonathan Daza's time? I mean, I think I think that – Go ahead, Skyler. Uh, I think that's the big question because – Hilliard, we know the power potential. We've seen the power that comes out of him. Knowing our good buddy Mario on the website wrote an article about Sam Hilliard, how he could be like Joey Gallo. But the big problem with Sam Hilliard is he doesn't have the plate discipline that, say, like a Joey Gallo does. So even though Hilliard has that power potential, his his plate discipline has just been terrible, unfortunately. And that's what's leading to those strikeouts and you know I don't know what what Hilliard could do or what the Rockies can do to help him but it, it's just sad to see because we we know how much potential he has and I'd love to have Sam Hilliard you know be that starting center fielder be a DH be that you know outfielder that gets more playing time because you know he he kind of needs that but even the, the instances and the chances he's gotten he hasn't done as well and reached that potential that I think the Rockies want him to and hasn't produced to that level. And I think that's why they go out, get somebody like Randall Gritchick to get a little bit more consistent of an at-bat in the lineup, even if you take a step back defensively. 
Well, and it's it's so frustrating because for a lot of these these fringe guys, it really is starting to get do or die time for them. Both Hilliard and Daza are twenty eight. Connor Joe is twenty nine. Garrett Hampson is is twenty eight. They're all starting to get up there where you know they need to be proving that they belong on the roster. And we've seen that with Connor Joe. We've seen flashes of it from Hampson. Uh, Daza, I think we're still waiting for just because he's had so, such a little playing time. We'll touch on him in a minute. But with Hilliard, it really is frustrating because we know how good he can be. Especially when, I've, I've talked about it before, when he is clicking and he is not forcing it, Sam Hilliard has a beautiful, effortlessly powerful swing. Mm. But when he's forcing it, and you can see that he's been forcing it in spring training, he's getting all these strikeouts. He's not hitting the ball particularly hard or particularly well. He's flashing some of his elements that we know love, like his speed. He's got three stolen bases, and he has hit a home run. We know the power is still there. We know the speed is still there. But when he has struck out far more than anybody else on this roster right now on the spring training roster, it is a cause for concern when he is fighting for his big league career. And, you know, luckily there's still, you know, six, seven games left of spring training before the regular season starts. There is some time for him to turn it around still, but not that much. I think I saw, I answered my own question now in my head. How do they help Sam Hilliard? You send him to wherever Larry Walker is. You bring Larry Walker in, there and they just hang out for like a week or two, just doing nothing. And Larry Walker just imparts all of his Hall of Fame wisdom on mm. Sam Hilliard or something. No, because I think that's the hard part. Is no, we love Sam Hilliard. We want him to succeed, but it's the results just aren't coming. Yeah, and that's what's the frustrating part. Absolutely, you know? and he's running out of time. On this roster, you know, like a lot of you, these guys that I haven't mentioned, some of these guys are running out of time, running out of spots because you've got guys like Zach Veen, you know, Elias Montero, Ryan Valade, Jamison Hanna. You have some of these other guys knocking on the door of like, hey, we want, we need a spot on the big league roster, and you know, the Rockies are going to have to make some tough decisions, you know, in the coming future. So it's it, it's scary and it's unfortunate, but. Hopefully Sam Hilliard can figure it out you know, and become just that powerhouse Joey Gallo type yeah. that we'd like to see. Yeah. Here's hoping, man. Yeah. Like, we all want him to turn it around, and if he can, that's we great. Do, because man. we all love the guy. We do. Yeah. And and kind of like that other guy we are talking about real quick here, Jonathan Daza. Uh, took him a little while to get to spring training. Had some visa issues. It was him and Rymel Tapia, and once he got there, we we figured it was either Rymel Tapia or Jonathan Daza that were kind of on the chopping block. Turned out to be Tapia gets sent off. But Daza still, you know, I think his status is still kind of up in the air. Uh, where we saw last season, had a really hot start to the season, the time that he got. But then once he lost playing time, we saw the production kind of fall off. And now he's kind of you know, in that weird purgatory type of roster player he's out of options so what do we do with daza what's going on with daza (laughs) uh all you evan go ahead daza's tricky because he is having an okay spring he's slashing 400 across the board uh six for 15 with an rbi but he's not 
the the kind of power hitter uh, the Rockies are looks like they're sort of pushing for for the outfield with Bryant, Grichik, and Blackman. Daza is a glove first center fielder. He's got the speed and the defensive acumen to excel in center field, and we've seen him do really well in center field. But the bat has always been the concern. And you have to wonder if that first half of last year was really the ceiling we saw, because after he missed all that time due to COVID and injuries, when he finally came back, he was not really on the same level as he originally was. Um, I, I like Jonathan Daza a lot, but he is also, he's a, he's a fringe guy. And I think there's still also a possibility of him, you know, the Rockies maybe trying to trade him or something like that. It's it's definitely possible that the Rockies aren't done making moves, so the time they have left to do so is certainly running low. We've seen other teams still making trades up to you know today, where the White Sox traded uh, Craig Kimbrell. So it's like, what what do you do with Jonathan Daza? You know, yeah. I mean, I don't really have a whole lot to add beyond that. I think you pretty much nailed it. It is very weird to think about just like what the move is with him. Um, I'm with you. I, I totally agree that he is very much a, uh, a defensive first outfielder. And it's just not really what they need right now. You know, I mean, Sam Hilliard's defense is very good too. He's going to, he's obviously his bats were not where they needed to be, but Sam Hilliard also has very good defense. You know who else plays pretty solid defensive center field? Garrett Hampson. You know, I mean, they've got a lot of guys that can roam the outfield defensively. What they need right now, and what was obviously their big shortcoming last season, is a bat. And so, if Daza's main contribution, and again, he, like you mentioned, he's got time to turn around. It's not this recording uh, session. It's not the be-all, end-all of his career. He definitely has time to kind of get it going. But if what we saw last season, what we've seen this spring is any indication, it does seem like he is kind of fallen by the wayside in the bat and i know it, it sounds harsh to say but it is not like the rockies just can't really wait around with that anymore like you said he's out of options they've got guys coming up they've got a lot of pretty solid looking outfielders uh through the pipeline and even on their big league roster as i mentioned the hampsons and the hilliards and the connor joes like i just don't know if there's a spot for a defensive minded outfielder who will hopefully get the bat going you know what i mean yeah, and the thing that I keep thinking back to is if the Rockies want to compete, you got to look at some of these other teams that they have to compete against in the National League West. You look at the Dodgers, you look at their bench, mm. who they have on that bench. That bench can still is just as scary to slot into their lineup as their regular one through nine guys. Yeah, you look at the Rockies' end. I'm not too worried if I'm looking at the roster and they're putting. Know a majority of these bench guys in that lineup. If I'm an opposing pitcher, mm -hmm. aside from Connor Joe, maybe no, I'm not worried too much about what the Rockies are putting in as kind of replacement players, substitutions later in a game. No. Yeah, they, they, totally these agree. guys can still surprise us at times, but uh, that I think the bench is something that's getting more worrisome for the Rockies over the years, where you know you don't have a guy who you can turn to. Bottom of the ninth, two outs. You're down by one, and the winning you're the winning run at the plate. They don't really have a guy they can turn to that you can confidently say like, "Yeah, we got this in the bag." Kind of like you yep. did with like a oh, a Jason Giambi or something. But th that's something to keep an eye on. I like you guys inputting that of 
what do they do at their bench? You know, and guys that are slotting into the DH. I think Connor Joe's kind of the, the obvious choice for a DH rotation spot somewhere in that lineup. So, no. Offensively, I think we're going to do a little bit better in that starting nine, but it gets a little more worrisome on that bench. But now, moving on real quick, we got a bunch of pitchers mm. to talk about. So let's just kind of run through. I'll talk about, mention the guys here, and then we can kind of pick and choose what we want to talk about. So that rotation looks like our starting five, no particular order, uh, but Herman Marquez, our ace, looked fabulous this spring. We've got Kyle Freeland, Antonio Sensatella, Austin Gomber. So we got our four returning guys. We lost John Gray. Looks like Chad Cool is slotting in as our fifth starter. He did sign that major league deal. So he's kind of slotted in as our fifth rotation piece. Uh, real quick here with our starters, what's been your impression so far of our, our starting five? Uh, who's been surprised you? Who's kind of worrisome at the moment anything that concerns you with our starting five so i think the way i'll run through it is just go through them one at a time really quick and then hand it off to to one of y'all sounds good um airman's been great pitched six innings has 10 strikeouts era 135 two walks um he's had some moments where you can see a little bit of command issues but really nothing too concerning especially when he's only had the two starts in the spring so far um, he looks to continue being our ace. My guess is that he's probably our opening day starter. Mm. Uh, Kyle Freeland's had two outings, one good and one bad. Um, the most recent one was not great, um, but on the spring in six and six and two thirds innings, he's got an area of eight ten, three strikeouts, a walk, and he's given up two home runs. Uh, that's something. All all of the starters except for Armon have given up at least one home run. Uh, all of them. All of those forks over Austin Gomber have given up at least two. Uh, Antonio Sensatela had a really strong start with the minor league squad and then uh, got kind of lit up over his first start with the big league squad where he went four innings, so longer than uh, any of the other starters had gone, but gave up two home runs and walked three in addition to uh, his three strikeouts. And the big thing with Sensatela last year, what made him so successful was keeping the ball in the park and keeping from walking people. So that's what he's got to click on for that. Uh, Gomber, really solid first outing. He's only had the one outing so far. He went three innings, struck out three, one rock, one one walk, one home run, uh, three ERA. Totally fine. Looks to be completely recovered from his pars defect. Um, injury his back injury last year he said that during the lockout he was pretty much good to go so really happy with that um excited to see him do more i don't know how many more starts he gets for spring training but he he's got to get at least one more i think in uh the one it's the number five spot that has me iffy and that's because probably at the beginning of the season we all wanted ryan rollison to be that number five starter and he's really struggled this spring but then chad cool who's sort of the really looking to be slotted in as that number five has not really had a good spring either um in his game yesterday he really just sort of got bullied <laughs> and after the game he's like oh don't worry don't worry i was just messing with my mechanics and my pitch grips there's nothing to worry about i'm fine you know, I've been consistent through my career. You can see that. And, you know, he's been like a consistently mid-four ERA pitcher. But over two and two-thirds innings yesterday, 
seven hits, five earned runs, two home runs, three walks, three strikeouts. And I'm all for experimenting, but I don't want to hear that you're experimenting and messing around with your mechanics when you are fighting for a roster spot a week before the season starts. And I don't know. It's another thing where with how he's performed, if he was not on a big league, on a, a big league paycheck, I'm not sure he would make the cut for the final roster. I'm going to do the opposite of what Evan said. Uh, I'm going to, rather than go down the whole rotation, because I think you nailed it, I'm just going to kind of talk real briefly about those last couple fringe guys. Man, Chad Cool looked rough the other day. Also, just a quick sidebar, I didn't know you could take a pitcher out in spring training and put them back into the game, so that like rocked my world. But yeah, he got lit up in spring training, and I'm right there with you, man. Talking about experimenting with pitches a week before spring training is mind-boggling to me. I just I cannot imagine why that was a good idea. Bullpen side sessions or something on an off day? Sure, right? Like, let's take a minute. Let's try a different grip or whatever. But I just I cannot imagine in a game situation a week from spring training why they would think it's a good idea to start messing with his mechanics on a brand new team. Like, it's just it's so strange to me. As you mentioned, Ryan Rollison uh, looking kind of rough this spring training. Hopefully he can figure that out. That curveball, I still think it's a plus pitch, and I hope he can figure it out. But he's looked very human. I'm hoping Peter Lambert might be able to be, kind of be a dark horse for the Rockies. I'm not sure what his role is going to be come opening day. He might uh, go down to AAA. He could maybe be a bullpen arm. I don't really know what that looks like for him. But I still believe in his ability to play at the big league level. I really hope that they can figure it out for him. I don't know if it's a fifth. It's probably going to be some sort of either bullpen or AAA role. I do think that fifth roster spot is going to be Chad Cools on opening day. But uh, I, I think that right now, unfortunately, that fifth uh, rotation spot right now is looking rough for the Rockies in general. Yeah, it's definitely up in the air because, you no, know, it's nice to have one through four be pretty solid. But this is something the Rockies have struggled with in the past where, you know, especially now in the absence of John Gray, they didn't really haven't really had a, you know, a solid, reliable fifth starter yes. at times. And you know, uh, Chad Cool, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Let him see what he does. You know, in first several starts in April, but you know, I, I, th- I want to see what he does. If he con- stays consistent and puts in a, a solid season, you know, I'm not expecting him to go out and throw a no hitter every game. You no, know, but at least go and be consistent and reliable out there, where it's not get blown up, and we're already turning to the bullpen in the fourth inning. You know, I want him to to be solid, and I think some of these other guys have struggled starting. Again, spring training, uh, they're experimenting, getting back into the rhythm of things, working on certain pitches, uh, and so they're going to get rocked. But Amon Marquez has looked like the ace that yes. we want him to be, and I'm really excited to see what he does this season. Uh, and hopefully he can finally get that elusive no-hitter perfect game <laughs> you know, because he's come so close several times. Real quick here, breeze through the bullpen. Yulis Chassin, he's only pitched one game, kind of got roughed up. Uh, anybody worried about Yulis Chassin? Nah. nah, veteran guy, he'll be fine. Yeah, and I'm excited to see what how they use him. Whether he's a long guy, use him towards the back of the bullpen. Who knows? I, I, it's nice with him. Mm. Uh, Tyler Kinley, he's thrown three innings, three ERA, two strikeouts, one walk. He's given up a home run. Uh, Tyler Kinley looking pretty solid, like he was near the end of last season. Uh, I, it's nice to say you're looking at this bullpen. There's some nice guys in here. Uh, if they are consistent. I was uh, going to say, you know, the Rockies' bullpen's kind of been a question mark the last ever. 
But uh, boy, oh boy, at least so far in this spring training, the bullpen as a whole is pitching better than the starters are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and for me, it's it's not the necessarily the talent in the bullpen. It's the coaching. Mm. And I am... I am still throwing up some concerns. I know, Skyler, I think you were too, about the bullpen coaching and the pitching coaching, especially for this year with Daryl Foster, I'm sorry, Daryl Scott replacing Steve Foster as the pitching coach and then a brand new bullpen coach. I'm more concerned about that than I am about the actual talent in the pen mm. because I'm yeah. concerned about how that coaching affects the talent in the pen. Yeah. Um, and we've seen some interesting things so far this spring training. Like um, Jordan Sheffield, who had a really, really strong rookie campaign last year, has already been optioned to AAA because he has just struggled immensely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think that's the big thing. A brand new bullpen coach, so he gets a fresh start. It's our new pitching coach overall, Daryl Scott, that I'm not too keen on, and I'm worried about that. And yes. hopefully our spring training numbers aren't indicative of what he's coaching to our guys, but with the amount of home runs the Rockies have struggled with this spring, I really hope that doesn't carry over to Coors Field. <laughs> yeah, uh, big same on that. But we got Tyler Kinley. Lucas Gilbreth has continued to just look fabulous this here in this spring. Right here. Four innings, 225 ERA, four strikeouts, no walks. He's given up a home run, but our lone lefty out there in the bullpen, he's looked fabulous. And uh, hopefully he doesn't have that sophomore slump Looks like he's poised to have another great season. Oh, that's all you, Evan. I know this is your guy. Oh, Gilly, man, he's looked really good. I, his his very first outing of the spring, he was a little shaky. Um, but, you know, it's the first outing of the spring, so I wasn't particularly worried. And then after that, he's immediately just been the guy that we saw last year, where if he can avoid having that sophomore slump, like you said, Skyler, and really take another step forward – he is going to be a hugely important piece of this team, and I'm excited to see it. I love Lucas Gilbreth. Mm. I'm so pumped to have him have him back on this bullpen. I don't think it was really, you know, a question whether or not he was going to make the final cut. But you never know with what happened to, um, like Ryan Rollison, what happened to Jordan Sheffield. But Gilly, I'm excited to have have back along for the ride. Totally. And then another guy who's, you know, been pretty strong actually. Another two guys. This spring are Daniel Bard and Carlos Estevez, both with two innings pitched and a big old zero ERA, three strikeouts for Bard, already hitting high 90s, 99 on his pitches. Uh, Estevez with four strikeouts, oh, both of them only have one walk. I think taking Daniel Bard out of the closing role, and I don't know if they're going to have like a closer by committee or anything this coming year, but I think that's going to be huge for not putting as much pressure on Bard because we know that he can be a really good pitcher, and he's been really solid this spring. And I, if he can bring that into this coming season, I'm going to be super happy because it was really rough watching him struggle last year after his amazing 2020 campaign, and I want nothing more than for him to succeed. Mm. And for Estevez, for me, I admit it's somewhat personal because I've been the one you know, chanting that he's been, you know, fairly reliable and really not as bad as everyone makes him out to be over the last couple seasons, uh, especially last year. Estevez had had a pretty solid year and was really reliable out of the bullpen and people just, you know, they, they rag on him. But I think he has, you know, the potential to continue being a key contributor to this bullpen. I think the fact that both of them are having strong springs is really encouraging. Yeah, so I, I was going to just touch on this all with these three. 
between Daniel Bard, Carlos Estevez, Alex Colomay, you've got six innings pitched, no runs allowed, uh, you've got 11 strikeouts, and just two walks, all three of them combined. Mac, what, specifically Alex Colomay, what's impressed you here with Alex Colomay? I really like the signing of Colomay, and I said this when it happened. I think it's a cool move because it's a guy that – he was kind of meh last season, but he was absolutely lights out with the White Sox just a year ago. And I really think that he can be a guy the Rockies utilize, uh, you know, to be that strong veteran presence in the back of their bullpen. Right now, that's seven, eighth, and ninth inning, some sort of combination of Estevez and Bard and Colomay is looking really strong right now. And a lot of that's because of Colomay's control. You know what I mean? Like you said, no walks at all this spring so far. He's placing his pitches where he wants them to be. Obviously... No runs given up, you know, the walks always lead to runs, so he's been limiting that. I'm really liking what I'm seeing out Colomay so far. I hope it transfers to altitude, but thus far he's uh, he's looking really, really sharp to me. And I like the, the connection. There's been some articles out there, but Carlos Estevez, Alex Colomay, no, actually have a pretty close relationship, and Colomay's yeah. kind of been a mentor to Estevez, has helped teach him. They've trained together and stuff. So I think having Colomay be that addition there in that bullpen will really help Estevez and help some of these other guys. Absolutely. Uh, it's nice having these these veterans in there that have been really successful. And so I'm excited about Colome. I think all three of them, Daniel Bart, Estevez, Colome, if those three are firing on all cylinders, it's going to be tough for opposing teams when you get to the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning and the Rockies are in the lead. Um, if they can pitch like that, man, like they're playing right now, like that's a tough back end of the bullpen. It really is. Yeah, it, it's – going to be tough. Robert Stevenson, he's pitched two innings, nine ERA, pair of strikeouts, a walk, home run. Uh, I think Stevenson also had a strong season last year in his first season with the Rockies. I think he's poised for another you know, strong, reliable season, mid-reliever. Uh, looking at this bullpen, you know, there's a lot of optimism that you can have with this team. Uh, obviously, we'll have bullpen games. We'll ha- they'll have the struggles. We'll make the jokes. But even on paper, these guys, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of optimistic about them, uh, especially with the new bullpen coach. So hopefully the bullpen's a lot better than it has been the last couple of years. Yeah, for the Colorado fingers crossed Rockies. on that. Can't get worse, right? <laughs> Two quick guys I wanted to touch on here. Uh, rosters are expanded to 28 for the first month of the season, as we've learned. There's a couple of fringe guys here. Justin Lawrence, our side, side-armed fireballer uh he's kind of fighting for that spot and then two guys one non-roster invitee the local kid ty block seven innings this this spring 257 era five strikeouts no walks he's fighting for that fifth rotation spot or a long spot and what it sounds like bud black really likes him and then ashton godot of all people has been having a pretty pretty strong spring as well with his seven and a third innings, 235 ERA, pair of strikeouts, pair of walks. He has given up two home runs. But overall, those two guys seem to be fighting for those long reliever spots or fifth rotation spot. Yeah. What do you think, Evan? Who are those guys going to be the last one to make the roster? I think with with Jordan Sheffield being sent down, I think Justin Lawrence is going to make the roster for the bullpen. 
Um, he's given up more runs than I think people would like. Like he, he has gotten hit around a little bit with that 540 ERA over five innings and the one home run. But what's really important for him is no walks mm. so far. And a big, big thing that we needed to see from him over the offseason was more control developing, especially with his other pitches. Because we saw this with uh, Julian Fernandez. You cannot rely on fireball alone. And Lawrence is making his other secondary pitches work in addition to his incredibly strong fastball. And those five strikeouts, I think he makes the roster. Ty Block, if I had to choose who would be the fifth starter right now, I would choose Ty Block. Hmm. He's looked looked really, really strong with that 2.57 ERA over seven innings. Five strikeouts, no walks. That no walks is especially important. I I would give it to him. Of, of all of these guys, especially because he has plenty of starting experience. And then I would put Chad Cool in the running with Ashton Godot for the long reliever role. But it's really funny to me that Godot is the one who has the most innings pitched of any Rockies pitcher this spring training. And he's done pretty solid. Both of these home runs that he's given up sort of came at the end of longer stints, mm-hmm. like at the very end of his third inning or something like that. And if he can finally have it locked down where he can be a reliable contributor on our big league, big league roster, that's awesome. I'd be super happy for him. Absolutely. But my, of all of these bubble pitchers, I've got to go with Ty Block. Like he has impressed me the most. How about you, Mac? Who are you taking? It's a pretty good uh, breakdown, man. I think uh, of all those guys, yeah, I, I think that, um, Ashton Godot has done great this spring, but he's just kind of not been consistent the last couple seasons. Probably couldn't hurt to get some more reps in at the uh, AAA level. Yeah, Ty Block and uh, Justin Lawrence are pretty, pretty good picks, man. If Chad Cool struggles out of the gate, Ty Block can slot right into that fifth spot. And just like uh, Evan just mentioned, Justin Lawrence, man, he's looking real sharp this spring. And with short, and with Sheffield being down, he does kind of slot right into that kind of somewhat long relief or even like a seventh inning role. So. Yeah, not to just kind of parrot everything Evan said, but I think that's a pretty freaking strong breakdown. But I think the one thing to keep in mind that will be interesting, if Ty Blanc compresses enough and he's going to make this roster, the Rockies are going to have to make a move to open up a spot for him. So that's the one thing to keep in mind. Out of everybody, he's the one guy that there has to be a corresponding move to put him on that 40-man roster. Uh, But I think Ty Blanc has really proved himself what a better story from Colorado. Oh, pretty solid. He's He did pretty good uh, in some of his other you know, stints outside of Major League Baseball in these past couple seasons. Coming back, he's really poised for a breakout, I think. And now hearing reports that Bud Black is really high on him, I think he's almost a lock to make this roster. And I think he's well-deserving. You know, and, and a good safety net, he and Chad Cool can kind of you – know, flip-flop around one guy gets a start the other one's in the bullpen they can piggyback off each other and have a kind of a pseudo six-man rotation with those two guys you know could be interesting but could be very interesting but overall this Rockies roster not too shabby Uh, hopefully they'll do better than a lot of projections have them doing but I don't know what you guys (laughs) but I'm I'm optimistic at least, and it's better to be optimistic than anything else. I uh, am too. There's to a lot of strong spots on this team. I think that there's definitely some improvements to be made. A lot of, a lot of it depends on these guys taking some steps forward. Some of these younger cats, but 
There's a lot of talent on this team. I, I really do believe that. I really do think there's a lot of talent on this Rockies team. Yeah. Well, I'd also say keep an eye out for Alan Trejo, yeah. the uh, second Rocky baseman, shortstop, and even third baseman we've seen this spring training uh, as a dark horse candidate to make the roster. He's tapered off a little bit towards the trail end of spring training, but he's still having a pretty solid uh, spring, 250, 250, 400 with three doubles. So he he's one of my dark horse candidates to make the roster, especially because he is, I believe, already on the 40-man. Yeah, since he played with the team last year. Nope. And there's a bunch of guys we didn't even mention that are knocking on the door. Elias Montero, Ryan Vallade, Colton Welker, oh, a bunch of other guys No, we didn't even touch on. There's hope for this Rockies roster. Oh, how it results on the field, who knows, but for the moment we can have hope. Absolutely. But that'll do it here for this edition of Affected by Altitude. Thank you so much for joining us for this little bit longer episode. Uh, next time you hear from us, opening day will have happened. Yes, sir. Exciting Or will stuff. be about to happen, depending on when we record. That's true. Yes. Yeah, we're, we haven't decided that yet. <laughs> break the space-time continuum. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep things real. There's no kayfabe here. <laughs> oh, brother, brother. With the terminology. But thank you so much for joining us. Evan, where can the folks find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang 27. Love to hear from you there. You can also check out all of my work on Purple Row. My uh, Thursday rock pile for this most recent week was about how I think Connor Joe deserves a starting roster spot. And then I just recently contributed. We're hitting the tail end of our State of the Position series for this offseason. And I did a pretty deep dive on the coaching staff. Uh, I spent a lot of time talking about Dave Magadan and Daryl Scott. I'd love for you to go check that out. I put a lot of work into it. I think it's pretty good. Uh, you can also find us at the official Affected by Altitude Twitter, which is at Altitude Effect. Mac, where can the folks find you? Yeah, man. So I'm at Cormac Battle Pro at C O R M A C Battle Pro. Uh, come hit me up. Love to talk some baseball. Love to talk the uh, Kingdom Hearts uh, anniversary event coming up, of course. And uh, can't wait for opening day. Hope to see you guys at the opening day breakfast. Please come on out. We can have a great time. You can find me at, at sideline underscore crowd on the Twitters. Uh, you can also check out the every, at every Rocky ever on Twitter uh, and check out. We've posted. I've posted nearly 400 Rockies from the Rockies' 30-year history so far. Insane. Uh, there's a lot of gems in there and a lot it's of insane. mediocre guys, unfortunately. <laughs> it, it's it's been an insightful thing into Rockies' history. I bet, man. Um, Remember Butch Husky? Uh, <laughs> I bet you don't. Yeah, there's a ton of guys. Guys that even played just one game. We are. I'm posting every single Rocky ever. ever. If they just took one at bat, if they sneezed in the box, we'll post about them. <laughs> uh, be sure to check that Amazing. out and my my sunday rock piles as of always course. as i try to figure out what to write about those but again thank you so much for joining us we'll see you next time we'll have mac hit him with it this time farewell until breakfast <laughs>